This week's parsha is Parshas Vayishlach. The pasuk says in Parak Lamid Bey's pasuk Yud Gimel, "V'yata Marta, Hetev Etev Imach, V'samti Ezaracha Kechel Hayam, Asher Lo Yisafar Meiroiv." Yaakov Avinu is davening Takadish Baruch Hu, and he said that you said to me that I will be good to you, I will do well with you, and that I will place your children, your zera, kechel hayom, like the sand of the sea, asher lo yisafer meiroiv, which is too numerous to count. This is what Yaakov Vino was expressing to the Rabbi Nishalom, that you promised me that you'll do good by me, and that my children will be so numerous that they'll be like the sand of the sea, too many to count. You can't start counting the, the grains of sand that are on the beach. It's impossible. That's how many children, that's how many um, descendants I will have. If you look in Rashi on that Pasuk, it says, Where do you find that HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised this to, to Yaakov Avinu? We only find that it says that your zera will be like afar ha'aretz. It doesn't say that it won't be able to be counted. But it says in the Pasuk, I will not forsake you. I will not forsake you until I did everything that I told you that I would. And by Avram, in Parachaf Beis, Pasuk Yud Zayin, it says, Harbe Arbe Zaracha, Hashemayim, that I will make your zera so full, so many, Hashemayim, like the stars in the heavens, and like the grains of sand that are on the beach, that's how many I will make. So this is, if you sort of... Uh, stitched together in a few psukim, that's how you get to this pasuk that says that you promised me that you're going to make my children like the Chel Hayam because he told, you told me in the past that I will promise every, I will make good on all the promises that I told you. And by Avram Avinu it said that your zero will be and like the sand that is on the, side, on the beach. So therefore that's why Yaakov Avinu says in this pasuk that I will, that you told me that I'm going to have children that are kachel hayam, that will be innumerable. The question that many ask on this Rashi, including the Kliyakar, is that why did Yaakov Avinu only mention the haftacha, the guarantee of the chel? If we're, all, if we're going back to that Pasuk of the promise to Avram Avinu, what should it have said? It should have said that you told me, and also, and like the stars in the heavens. Why is the Pasuk, why is Yaakov only talking about the fact that you promised me that my kids will be like the, like the sand and not the stars? If we're going back to the Pasuk by Avram Avinu, where there was Avtacha, the Avtacha was on, on both that you're going to have as many children as the sand on the beach and the stars in the heaven, it should have said on both of them, they won't be able to be counted at, like both. Why are you only, why is Yaakov Vinu only speaking about the Chel Hayam? What I wanted to suggest is that 
based on this question or from this question we could derive a proof to a famous vart that Rameir Shapiro said. Rameir Shapiro was the great Lublina Rav. He was Rashiva of Yeshivas Chachmi Lublin. He started the Dafyaimi. Great, great man. Historic figure in Klal Yisrael. And he once said a, an amazing vart, and it's very often quoted in his name. There's a Pasuk earlier in Seva Bereshis, in Perak Tesva, Pasuk A, it says, Habetna Shamaima Usvara Kaychavim Imtucha Lisbaris. Makarishbarhu says to Avram Avinu, go out to the heavens, count the stars, if you can, if you can count them, go count them. And then Hashem continues and he says, So will be your children. Your children will be just like that. So Meir Shapir says, what's going on, Amir? It says to Avram Avinu, go out and count the stars. And then he says, So Meir Shapiro says that this is what happened. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Tavram Avinu, go out, habet na shamayma, go look at the heavens, usvar kaychavim imtucha lisbaraisam, go and count them if you can. What would you do if somebody told you, even if HaKadosh Baruch Hu said that to you, if somebody says, go and count the stars, I think I would say, wow, he's really waxing, you know, poetic. God is so poetic, he keep, he's speaking about me going out and counting the stars, there's probably a big blessing coming. Avram Avinu didn't say that. Avram Avinu, you know what he did when HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, go outside and start counting the stars if you can. Avram Avinu went outside and said, okay, one, two, oh, there's the Big Dipper, three, four, five, six, and then seven, eight. He started literally counting. There are billions of stars. That didn't deter Avram Avinu from doing the mission that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said. He didn't say, I can't do it, it's impossible. He probably just means, you know, some fancy uh, poetic way of saying, you know, that you're going to be great. No, you're telling me to count the stars, I'm going to try to count the stars. I, but it's a never-ending job. All right, that's, that's not my problem, I just have to do. I can't make cheshbenis of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu intends or doesn't. Or I, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, go outside, I'm going to do that. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw that Avram Avinu did that, that he started actually completing the assignment, even though it literally, you know, was so impossible to do, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that, that midah that you just displayed, that you just demonstrated, is how your, all, all your children should be as well, your descendants, us in the year 2022, 2023, we should also have that ability, like you, to be able to count the stars, even though it's impossible, to do a mission that is seemingly impossible to do, but yet we'll do it. If this is what we feel is the right thing, if we feel this is what Hashem wants and expects from us, we're going to do it. I, are we going to be able to actually succeed in our mission? That's not up to us. That's up to Hashem. We just have to try. Success is not our ability to determine. That's for Hashem to determine. We have to try doing what we could do in life, and that's all. If we feel HaKadosh Baruch Hu expects that of, of us, and Avram Avinu understood from the tzivoy of Hashem to count the stars, he's going to count them. He actually started counting them. 
until Hashem stopped him and he said, okay, this is how your descendants should be as well. This is Rameyar Shapiro's classic vart. It's a beautiful vart, it's a famous vart, and for good reason, it's a very inspirational concept. But what comes out of Rameyar Shapiro's vart is that Avram Avinu actually started counting the stars. He counted the stars. And I think that that's an answer to the question that we had on Rashi. If Rashi is right, and of course he is, that when it says that you said that you're going to be good, that you're going to be like the sand on the, on the, on the waterfront that can never be counted. So we ask, wait a minute, why don't you also say like the stars in the, in the sky that can never be counted? Because that would not be an accurate statement. Yaakov Avinu cannot say and, you know, that the stars in the sky cannot be counted because you know what? Avram Avinu, when he was told that, he started counting them. The only thing that has yet to be starting to be counted is the sand on the beach. The beach sand, that was never counted. That, that Yaakov Avinu could say, use the terminology of Asher Lo there's so many of those grains of sand that you can't count them. That's true. But for him to also say about the sky, the stars in the sky, that those cannot be counted, and no one ever attempted to, because there's so many, that they're too numerous to count, that's not true, because according to Rameyar Shapiro, Avram Avinu did start counting them. Even though they were so numerous, he did count them. So I wanted to say this is a beautiful raya to Rameyar Shapiro's foundational yisaid. Rameyar Shapiro never proved that this is true. He just, he just sort of was hypothesis that, you know, Mistama, when he was commanded, Avram Avinu started counting them. But I think from our Pasuk, you see that he actually, this is true. He did start counting them because otherwise Yaakov Avinu here would say that you made my children, you promised that my children would be not just like the, like the sand on the beach that can't be counted, but also like the skies and the, heaven, the stars in heaven that can't be counted. But he didn't say that. Why did he say, why did he omit that? Because Avram Avinu did count them. Avram Avinu, despite the fact that there were so many, he did actually start the process of counting them. Last weekend, I went to the Aguda convention. That's why there was no schmooze last week. So today's schmooze is going to be double as long. I'm joking. Um, it's going to be double as good. But I want to quote to you something that I heard there. It's always good when you go to an, a convention like that to take away something. And so if I wasn't able to be here last Shabbos, last, uh, last Friday, because of it, at least I should bring back some Seydel Adarach to be able to share with you one side that I took away from the convention. So by the Thursday night keynote address, there was a young Talmud Chacham. I never really heard of him before. His name is Rabbi Yair Adler. I think he's from Toronto. He's definitely from Canada. I don't know if he's from Montreal or, or Toronto. What? He's from Toronto? So, I don't know. What, what is he? Do you know what he is there? He has a shul? There's a big rub in Toronto. How old is he? He's a young man? No, he's... No, so that's not him. He's a young man. He's literally probably in his mid-30s. But I think he does have a shul in Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. And he was a phenomenal speaker. He blew me away. I'm sure he blew a lot of people away, but he was really, really good. Really good. And 
he shared a, a beautiful vart, which is very much in line with the vart that we just shared together. And so I want to I wanna review it together with you, and I'll say a few of the things that he said. I'm going to sh- throw in a few of the things that I want to say, and then, uh, and then we'll close. So in the year 1942, November 1942, which was really in the thick of the Holocaust, in the thick of the Churban that was taking place in Europe, so there was a ghetto of Kamarno. Kamarno was one of the cities in, in Eastern Europe. The ghetto was liquidated, which means that the Nazis basically came in and killed almost everybody in the ghetto. There were a few survivors. Those few survivors included the tzaddik, the rabbi of Kamarno, and all the survivors, including the rabbi of Kamarno, was sent to the Sambor ghetto. Sambor ghetto was like a, a terrible death camp, a concentration camp. Uh, Mamish, like all of these, whatever they, whatever this Kamarno Rav went through until now, which was quite extreme, quite horrible, but that was just the beginning. That was child's play compared to what he was up against at this ghetto uh, in Sambor. So Rebaruch Safran, which was his name, the Kamarno Rebbe, uh, suffered great, and, but nevertheless, despite all of the tragedies that he endured, he was a beacon of light, of Kedusha, of Tyra, of Chizuk, to all the survivors, all the people that were with him together in this Makkam of Gehenim on this world. And we find many Rebbes and many Jewish leaders in that time really rose to the occasion, and they were there for Kal Yisrael in their time of need. They were there to give Chizuk and to listen to their daigas and to give them Kishirim and Tyra, Musar, Hadracha, Chizuk. So one of the heroes was the Kamarna Rebbe. And one day, the Rebbe was asked by a survivor, by a fellow inmate in this Sambar camp, how does the Rebbe do it? Where do you get your strength from? How are you not going crazy? You lost your family, you lost your community, you lost your, your being completely surrounded by death, devastation, destruction. How are you so strong? Are you Superman? How are you able to be such a strong uh, anchor for Klal Yisrael at this desperate time of your life? You're a human being at the end of the day. How do you do it? It's a good question. So the Rebbe said the following. By Ne'ila on Yom Kippur, we say in, in Shemayna Esrei, <coughs> a Lashem like this, Ata hivdalta enoish meiroish. You separated man from the beginning. Meiroish, from the beginning of time, you separated man meaning you, you made man unique and distinct, and you recognized him, you gave him importance to stand before you. And then the tefillah continues, it's a beautiful tefillah. So the Rebbe said like this, I don't know if it was his own vart or he was quoting it from somebody, but this is what he said. A chasidish pshat, a different homiletic way of teaching this tefillah, of explaining this tefillah. You have to put the um, maybe the, the periods or the commas in a different place, but this is how we understand it. A beautiful pshat. Ata hivdalta enoish meiraish. You 
have separated, you have made a hevdel of man, anish, meirish, from his head. A man is consisting of two parts, right? You have the head, and then you have the rest of the body. You, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, gave man sometimes the ability to be mavdil, to separate, to sever the mind from the body. The body does. The body is continually doing things. The mind thinks. Now, sometimes if you think too much, it's the terrible curse. Sometimes we think and our mind is our own worst enemy. A lot of times there's a great expression like somebody's bothering you. You ever have in life like somebody's bothering you? It might be a roommate, it might be a, uh, you know, somebody that, a chavrusa, somebody in yeshiva, that, somebody in your family, that they're tormenting you. They keep on like making you meshuggah, they keep on making fun of you or, or giving you grief about a lot of things, right? And there's a great expression, don't let him live in your head rent-free. You're letting that guy live in your head rent-free. He's not paying rent to you. Why are you giving him real estate in your brain? But you are, because you're thinking about him day and night. Every you wake up in the morning, oh, that guy, he's, he's going to take my whole, my whole neshama away from me again today. He's going to have to deal with him here. I got to, or her, or she. But people are bothering us, and they stay in our brain. And likewise, in life, we have a lot of stress, we have a lot of pressure, we have a lot of things that are always tormenting us. How do we deal with it? Do we allow those things in our lives to make us sick, to make us paralyzed, to disable the functionality that we're supposed to be having in life? We have to do we have to do in our life. We have to wake up for davening. We have to be friendly. We have to be good. We have to learn. We have to do mitzvahs. We have to go to work. We, have to, we can't allow things in our life to set us back. We can't allow our brain to rule over us when we're being tormented in there. Ata hivdalta enesh meresh. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you have given us the ability to separate our brain from the enesh, from the rest of our body. Sometimes if we stop and think about a nightmare that we're going through, we're not going to be able to function. Our bodies is going to just like shut down. So what we do is we daven Baruch Hu, to please sever my head all the cerebral activity that's going on, all of that intellect and all that thought process that, that's consuming us. We say to Hashem, be mavdal that from our body. Allow our body to function. Allow our body to do what we have to do. We have to do things in life. I can't allow myself to be so constantly focused on what's going on in my brain because that's going to restrict my bodily ability to go and to do. It's going to make me not want to wake up in the morning. How many people are depressed and they stay in bed through davening, through seder? They don't want to stay in bed. They're not that tired that they need an extra, you know, five hours of sleep every morning. They're young people. It's not an old age home. What's going on? Why, is, why do people need so much sleep? They don't. The answer is that they're depressed about something and because they're depressed, their bodies physically cannot get out of bed. It's the saddest thing in the world when you see young people that do not have the ability to separate what's going on in their head and their bodies. All of us are here today, right? We're all here today at the Shmooz. We're here for davening. We ate breakfast. We had an excuse. We could have stayed in bed theoretically, but whatever, we're, our minds are not perfect. I'm sure we have plenty of stuff to study for. We have reports that we haven't started yet and we have, we have to go do a million things, but we did it. We're able to say, okay, I'm going to put my brain on hold and let my body function, let my body do what it's supposed to do. 
Ata Hivdalta Enesh Meirosh says the Kamaina Rebbe, Zechetzadik Levracha Hashem Yimkam Domov, you, Hakadosh Baruch have given me the Kamaina Rebbe the ability to separate the reality around me from the ability to do something that I need to do. It's true what you're saying. If right now I stopped and thought about all the things going on, how I lost my family, my loved ones, my community, my talmidim, if I thought about the chil shem shamayim that's taking place in the world as shuls are burning, sevetera are burning, children are being slaughtered by the millions, and men, women, and child are dying every day, I would go crazy. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu somehow gives a yid the ability to be mavdil enish, my body, may rush from my head. I could shut off my brain and be able to function with all of my ramach varim minus my brain and be able to do exactly what I need to do right now. How am I able to be so strong to be able to give chizuk out in this desperate time? Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives me the ability to be mavdil enish merish takireyu HaKadosh Baruch Hu recognizes Lasais Lamed Lefanecha to stand before you. He gives me the ability to stand before him to do the Aveda that I need to do, to do the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that needs to be done at this present time, despite all that was going on in my brain and that is going on in my brain, I could make a Hevdil, I could turn it off so that I could do what I need to do. A beautiful Vart of the Kamana Rebbe. And this is something that is what Klai Yisrael has done time and time again. The mushal that uh, Rabbi Adler brought was something that I would have brought also if I knew the Svart, and I was asked to speak at the keynote session of the Agoda Convention, um, which is Rav Aaron Cutler. Rav Aaron Cutler came to America. He lost his Talmudim and Kletzk. He lost a lot of family. He lost his yesh- Everything was gone. And he came to these shores... And instead of, and everybody was telling him, whatever you're planning on doing, this is America. You're not in Europe anymore. You're not going to be able to, to, to replant the Torah of Europe here. This is not Klesk. It's not Slabotka. It's not Navardic. It's not, it's a different world. This is America. What, you, you want to make a place called Lakewood and, and you expect to get any Talmudim that are not going to go to college at the age of, at college age? And you think you're going to really attract people and you're going to find women, young girls that are willing to marry and support a Kyle guy. You're dreaming. This is impossible. It's America. It's the United States of America. Did you, you, know, did you pass by the, the Statue of Liberty? And I think he actually came into San Francisco. But, you know, but did, you, did you... And as soon as he hit the ground in San Francisco, he was already talking about, first of all, saving the lives of whatever European Yidden were still around. And that was his number one priority, to save anything, anyone and anything that he could in Europe, which he did through the Vadat that he created. But then also he was talking right away about building a Kleina, a Reina Winkel, a, a pure corner in America that Torah could be learned and studied like it was back in Europe. And people said, forget about it. You don't understand America. You're in a different world. You're still living in the world of Europe. And, and, and Rav Aaron could have said, all right, you know what, thanks. I, 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 I went to consultants and they gave me all these uh, the studies and, and they, they, they took polls and they, and they came back that this is going to be a failure. I'm doomed to fail. So I'll just, you know, just write Svarim all day. Rav Aaron didn't listen to any of them. Rav Aaron said 
to himself. I don't think he said these exact var- words, but Ata hivdalta enosh meresh. Whatever is in my mind, all the misgivings, all the sfekas that I might have, I don't care. I'm going to put that on the back burner and I'm going to do. My body, I'm going to go, I'm going to race, I'm going to find Balabatim that are willing to support it. I'm going to find Rabbi, I'm going to find Talmidim, I'm going to, I'm going to find a place to make it. I'm going to find uh, like-minded individuals that are going to galvanize, uh, that I could galvanize to really support this makam. And then I'm going to create Tara I'm going to plant seeds across America, the Hebrew day school system. All these are things that Aaron Kala did, one man. Then in Eretz Yisrael, Chinuch Hatzmai system, a whole other network of yeshivas to provide Chinuch there. And he would fly back and forth from America to, to Eretz Yisrael and give Shirim there in his Shver's Yeshiva and Eitz Chayim. And he was a one-man army, Rav Aaron Kotler. But if he would have asked consultants and uh, you know, done a, done a group, uh, you know, group testing or whatever they call it, market testing, you know, they would say, this is a failure, this is going to fail... And what's the P.S.? Rav Aaron didn't listen to his brain. He didn't listen to all the voices that were telling him not to. He did. HaKadosh Baruch Hu granted him great success. Today, if you go to Lakewood, there's, I think, 8,000 Talmud HaChacham sitting and learning Yom Valayla in Lakewood. <coughs> 8,000. That's like the largest yeshiva in the world. I don't know, maybe Mir has about that amount, or maybe a little more, maybe a little less. I'm not sure in Yerushalayim, but one man who had that dream, he didn't allow people to tell him what he couldn't do. He just did. He was mobbed his brain from his body, and he says, listen, cerebrally, logically, you're right, it makes no sense, but I feel this is what the Rabbi Nishlam wants me to do, and it's going to happen. That's from Meir Shapiro's Vart. Go and count the stars if you can. Whatever I'm going to do, start counting the stars. But... That doesn't mean that the head would, you'd right away Google how many stars are there, uh, 20 trillion. Okay, how am I going to, I don't have enough, I probably need a thousand years just to begin to start counting stars. Avraham Avinu said, listen, if Hashem think, if this is what Hashem wants, I'm going to do it. And he started doing it. He had the resolve, he had the tenacity, he had the audacity to do it, and he did it. This is how the commander Rebbe is going to be. This is how Aaron Cutler is going to be. This is how Moshe Feinstein is going to be. This is how Lubavitch Chasidim are going to be. The Rebbes are going to be. Baba of Ger, Vizhnitz, the Svardim, in all their communities, the Syrians and the Persians and, the, and, and, and all of the, the Russians and all of the communities that we have were all founded by people that if they would do studies, if they would ask, if they would think too much, they would never do it. It's impossible. You're not going to get the funds for it. You're not going to get the people for it. There's nothing here. There's no market for you to, to tap into. But because they were Mavdil Enesh Meirosh, they did it and they were met with tremendous success, tremendous Yat Tishmayo. The Satmar Rebbe did the same thing as Ravaran Cutler in his way. The altar for Navardik who lived before the war, a very, very interesting person. If you want to read up about him, we have a, a book down in the English Gedalim uh, Library in, in the lobby. Uh, Arts Girl just recently put out a biography about him. I don't know exactly the title, but it's blue, and it's a very thorough work on the Alta uh, Nevada. The sad thing is that we don't have a picture of the Alta for Nevada. I always felt that when Gedalim... 
were not photographed. It, it, it's some, in his, history doesn't know them as well. The G'dayim that we do have portraits of, at least in, amongst, since the camera was invented, we have the ability to somehow, you know, if I tell you, Rav Aaron Cutler, an image should pop up in your mind what he looked like. The Altaf and Slabotka, we know what he looked like. The, uh, but there are people, Rabbi Sal Salanta, we don't know what he looked like, unfortunately. Uh, there are pictures that are circling. It's not him, but they think it's him, but it's his son who looked like him, but it wasn't him. And many, many others. Uh, when you don't have a picture or a painting of the person, we don't... So the Altaf and we don't know what he looked like, but we do know what he accomplished. He set out, he was, uh, he was in business for a while, then he went into uh, like solitary confinement, self-imposed solitary confinement for a few years. He sat in a room or in a cabin and he just thought people would bring him food, they would like slide it under the door and he would just think and, and learn and be in what he should do with his life. He came out and he started, he was like a, like a ball of fire he started a network of 80 yeshivas, not eight. If I would start eight yeshivas, I'd probably be one of the biggest builders of Tyra today. He started 80 successful yeshivas all throughout Europe. Russia, Eastern Europe has Navardic. Today there's a few branches of Navardic in, in America and Eretz Israel. But a, a builder like no other. Can you imagine building 80 yeshivas and paying for 80 yeshivas, supporting 80 yeshivas, a network of 80 yeshivas? It's an incredible thing. So there's a quote from him. I have never thought about whether I could do something, but only about whether I had to do it. If something had to be done, I knew that Hashem would give me the means to do it. That's exactly what we're saying today. If you start making cheshpanis of could I do it, if I were to go over, if the Alter Nevada would say, come to me and ask me, listen, um, what do you think? I'm thinking of starting 80 yeshivas. You think it's doable? Well, I don't know. Let's see. How much is the budget of every yeshiva? Uh, I'd say $2 million. Okay, 2 million times 80 is $160 million. <coughs> How much money do you have currently in the bank? Um, I don't know, $3, $4? Okay, I don't think it's a good idea for you to start setting out to build 80 yeshivas. Maybe try, you know, try maybe setting up a little clays, a little base medrash, see if that takes off. If that takes off, build another one, and then we'll go from there. But I don't know if it's a good idea to right away try to build 80 yeshivas. It's not, it's a little undoable. But Baruch Hashem, the Altaf and Navardik did not ask my opinion. He didn't ask anyone's opinion. He davened, and he said, the, and the Rebbeinu Shalom sent him a message that I want you to start 80 yeshivas. And guess what? History records that he did just that. He built 80 yeshivas. One man built 80 yeshivas. Of course, the Holocaust came, the Nazis undid all his 80 yeshivas. But he is a man that goes down in history as being a builder. Ata hivdalta enayish He had the ability, the unique ability, to shut off his brain and to just do and when you do that, that is how you are successful in life. And this is true with every single thing that we find uh, in any movement, this is true of. I mean, the building that we're, living, that we're right in, that we're housed in, that our yeshiva is housed in, is itself a dream. And I've spoken about this in the past. I don't want to spend too much time on Chazara. But Dr. Lander, this is the 50th anniversary of Turo. We just had the dinner the other night. 50 years ago, there was a 54-year-old man, his name is Dr. Bernard Lander, 
and he decided at 54 years old that he wants to start a new college under Jewish auspices. He started off with, I think, 35 students in one classroom. And P.S., 50 years later, there is, I think, 19,000 students, 120,000 graduates. They're located, their Turo is located, I think, in, in five different countries. Many different states in the United States have Turo branches. There is over 200 different uh, course options that you could take, different career options that you could do. They have medical schools. They have dental schools. Of course, they have yeshivas, which is the Machshav Atchila, our yeshiva, our Chaim, and several other yeshivas, and girls' uh, schools, LCW, Vachule. But one man said, I want to do this. This is something I want to do. He himself, he told me the story himself. I was sitting in the car with him. I drove him home one night, and... Uh, it's about the time that he asked me if I would like to be in the Mashkiach here. It was going back about 20 years ago, 21 years ago. And I was like, I'm not sure how different Cheshbain is. And he says, you shouldn't have Cheshbain He says, do what I did. I said, what did you do? He's, and he told me the story. I was 54 years old. I had a number of jobs that I was juggling to, to pay for my young family. To you know, He had children to support, tuition bills to pay, mortgage to pay. And he goes home to his wife and he says, listen, honey, I want to start... I want to quit all of my jobs, no income coming in, I'm going to start Turo College. His wife probably thought that this man has gone insane. I would have, and maybe she did. But she said to him, Bernie, this is what he told me, Bernie, if this is what you want to do, go for it, I'm behind you. And he did that, he quit all his jobs, started Turo, it had a lot of rough patches, there were ups and there were downs, but ultimately, at the end of the day, he has the biggest, largest college in the world under Jewish auspices. He has, they're one of the largest, if not the largest, healthcare provider in the country, health, you know, people that graduate students in the healthcare industry. All because one man had a dream, and the, the ground that we're standing on, this building was a swamp. This, I remember as when I used to come to Queens and I, I learned here for a few years, this whole block is a square block in New York City was boarded off and there was a swamp. You couldn't do anything on this property. If you, would, if you would have jumped the fence to get in here, you probably would have sank about 20 feet into the ground. And no one knew what to do with it. It's a valuable, nice piece of property, but not if you can't build, you can't even play a game of baseball on it because it's all, it's, it was moist, it was wetland. And Dr. Landis said, we're going to figure out what to do with it. He hired some architects, some engineers or whatever, and they dried out the land for the most part. It's still wet, but it's, it's relatively buildable. They shot piles into the ground early in the morning. There are people that are still complaining to me till this day that they're woken every single morning at you know, 5 in the morning. They were shooting these, these huge beams into the ground. And, and here we are, Lander College for Men. Now, if you would have gone to certain consultants, certain engineers, certain, it's impossible. What are you doing? You're crazy. People thought, he was in, people thought this was going to doom Turo College because it took $40 million to build this campus. People told me that people on the board said they almost physically had to wrestle him, Dr. Land, did not build this place because they thought this was like the ultimate folly. This is going to financially ruin Turo College in its entirety. He says, I know that there's a place for this place. I know that we could build it, and it can be done. Just find me the right people to build it, and we'll build it. And he did. And look at us. We're all here today because of that. 
That's not a normal thing to do. That's ata hivdalta enesh meirish. You have to separate sometimes your mind. That's not to say that you should act irrationally and just do crazy things and just you know roll the dice with everything. Obviously, there has to be some rationale, and you have to consult with Gedali Yisrael and for and and make sure that there's some cheshbon, I guess. But maybe not. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe to really be successful in life, you got to dream big and, and, and gamble big, and that's the way things are done. I don't think, you know, somebody was just talking to me about Amazon, how Amazon started. He had a nice, cushy job. Um, Jeff Bezos, he was working for like an investment banking company. He was making a few hundred thousand dollars a year. He could have lived very comfortably, very nicely on that salary, but he drove from the East Coast to the West Coast. He had this vision. He wanted to start this online book selling company, which is how Amazon started. And he drove to Silicon Valley to where the tech guys were. He created, and there's pictures I saw of him like in a little, on a little cheap desk with like a, a hand-drawn sign that said Amazon.com behind him. This is when he first started. And P.S., you know, he just did it, and, and, and Amazon happened. I'm not saying this is not a general inspirational speech. It's talking about Tyra and Mitzvahs, but I'm just saying that in life, Sometimes if you make too many cheshbonis, it, it does you in. If you're going to make an exact cheshbon, you'll never get married. If I told you exactly how much it costs to live and to, to rent you know, a car and a mortgage, and that, you'll never get married, period. But I'm not going to tell you that. So that you do get married. And you do have, because if you make cheshbonis, they start putting down on paper, wait a minute, this ain't going to fly, then you're not going to want to do anything. And in life, you have to be mobbed your brain from your body because that's the only way you move forward in life. If, you're, if you play it too safe, it's also very dangerous. It's not good to gamble maybe too big, but it's not, it's not normal to be too safe either. And when it comes to building things, we have to go for broke sometimes. We have to do things really... If we have a dream and we know that there's, this is what Hashem wants here, we're convinced... I want to do this. I want to start this. I want to do this organization. I want to start this gemach. I want to, you know, cater to a certain type of Talmud. I want to, I, I want to, whatever it is that your dream is, you got to dream and you got to do. And cheshman a little bit, but not too much. And that's the aside of Avram Avinu. Last year, there was a campaign when the Russians began their campaign to, uh, to invade Ukraine. Ukraine really didn't do anything to them, but Putin wanted to swallow them up for some reason. And as a result of, besides for the politics between U- Russia and Ukraine, which is very, you know, you know it, it's tragic what's going on there on a, on a human level, but Klai Yisrael was suffering. All the many, many communities throughout Ukraine, um, whether it's in uh, Uman, which is in Ukraine, and many other uh, you know, small communities or larger communities, they were driven out, they had to go into Gullus, they had to find different places, start all over again. So the Agoda started a charity campaign to help. And our yeshiva itself participated in that campaign. I remember that morning I had this idea and I, I called into my office a few guys, three guys, and uh, I said, this is what we have to do and we're going to do it. And then we just did it. It didn't make any sense to do it. I don't know how, how, many, how much can Buffram bring in already? How much can I bring in? How much can you bring in? And we started this campaign. We spread the word. We did a social media blitz one day by lunch. Free, we gave out a free lunch and we did it. And uh, we're going and, and contacting alumni and contacting... And P.S., 
today, to date, I think I just checked yesterday, we raised $146,908 to date. That's not bad, close to $150,000 from nothing. Out of the 95 teams that participated in this charity campaign, it's still going, by the way, we're number one. Rabbi Moshe Bamberger and his Talmidim, which is what it's called for political reasons, whatever, is, we're number one in terms of don- amount of donors. Nobody of the 95, and this, those 95 teams are not little, you know, other yeshivas. We're the only yeshiva, to my knowledge, that are doing this, that did it, but we're going up against communities. The community of Chicago, the community of Los Angeles, the community of Baltimore. We have Little Lander College for Men was able to have more single donors than all of those communities. And we're number six of 95 in the highest amount raised. We're going up against, against tremendous gavirim. These are not, they didn't have, they, they probably got like three guys to give all that, all that money. We, we did it with the most amount of donors, the smallest average donation, and we were able, Baruch Hashem, to raise 140 for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. Ata hivdalta if we had made a cheshma for him, who are we? What are we going to do? It's going to be a bazillion. We're going to raise $50 altogether. Why, why even start? But I never dreamt. In my, at first, we set a goal of $50,000, and I thought that was too ambitious. We broke through that goal in like two days, and then we, set, we upped it to 75. I thought that was crazy. 75 came and went, 100, 120, 140. We're up to, and that's how things work. If you make cheshmanis, it ain't going to work. If you don't make any cheshven, you say, does Hashem want this? Is this what the hairah is? This, is this what the time calls for? Yes. Everyone agrees. Ukrainian you need our help. Then we have to help. Aye, but it might be embarrassing. It might fail. If it fails, that's not our problem. At least we tried. You have to try in life. When you try and you do things, you know, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants you to do them, you're kayyazaracha. You're a kiyam. You're the fulfillment of the promise that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Avram Avinu when Avram Avinu started counting the stars even though that was impossible, it made no sense it was Evdalta Enosh Meirash he did it, we are the recipients of that in every yeshiva in the world every shul, every community every mikveh, every Beis Yaakov every yeshiva Kedana, every cheder is a kiyam of that, every school that you went to as a child, as an adult is a kiyam of kaya because it made no sense for people whoever founded your yeshivas and my yeshivas it made zero sense it was going way out on a limb it was doomed to fail, many naysayers but they didn't listen and they just did and when you do in life you are, and HaKashvach really wants it to happen you'll be shocked looking back on the amount of siyat d'shmaya that you'll have. And that's not your zchus. It's the zchus of Avram Avinu, the zchus Aves, the bracha that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to him and to all of us of Kaya Zaracha.